looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Hope you guys had a good turkey day. We usually release our shows on Thursdays, but this Thursday was Thanksgiving, so we thought we'd kick the show back a day, and today's Friday. This week's guest is TJ Kermeens. He is a syndicator, and I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode with him because he's talking about how he got into real estate, how he's able to scale and build his company to where it is today. He also tells a very interesting story about from 15 days from closing, how he needed $400,000 to close on the project and how he was able to do that to close the project. If you guys are enjoying the show, you know the deal. Give us a five-star rating, write us a review on Apple Podcasts, and enjoy the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Today's guest is TJ Kermeens. Uh, He's coming live to us. Uh, TJ, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, first off, thanks thanks for having me. Honored to be able to chat with you. Um, it's been fun getting to know you. But um, yeah, my name's uh, TJ Kermeens. I live in Southwest Michigan in Kalamazoo. Uh, real estate investor. Started off as a as a flipper turned uh, syndicator and never looking back. Um, we I've been in real estate now for six years, investing for probably the last uh, two two and a half years. Um, and it's been, it's been a fun journey from, from the get go. So it's, it's, it's been fun to, fun to watch the progress, fun to see all the people we get to meet. Um, and, uh, we're, we're not, like I said, we're not turning back. Awesome. And you and me, we met through my partner, DJ, actually. So he's done some deals with you. Um, he's had a really good experience. He's like, listen, you got to talk to this TJ guy. He's really knowledgeable (laughs) in the space. He's, he's good. I've had a good experience with him. Um, awesome. How did you get the real estate bug six years ago? How did that happen? Everyone's got their story. Let's hear yours. Yeah, man. So this is all my wife's fault. Um, <laughs> you don't hear that I, one usually. <laughs> yeah, man. It's it's all my wife's fault. So what happened was um, I was in core. Uh, I was I was working for um, my family business, and um, just a bunch of things happened where I kind of wanted to find my own path. Um, kind of want to do our own thing. My wife decided she wanted to go get her master's at the University of Michigan. And so she went, uh, or we both moved out to Ann Arbor. And while moving to Ann Arbor, you know, I, I finished high school, never, never went to college. So I didn't get my uh, college degree, thought there's no way in hell I'm going to find, you know, a corporate, you know, uh, Fortune 500 company job and, and, you know, move up the corporate ladder without all of that. And my wife refused to, to believe that that was um, an option or not an option, I guess, rather for me. And so uh, I interviewed, um, at my buddy's place, he, he worked for their Fidelity National Title. And I got a phone call from him saying, hey, if you're interested, I'll put your name in, they'll reach out to you. Um, took the interview, didn't get the job, but I was told um, the job wasn't right for you. Mm. And I was like, that's, you know, that's just bingo. Um, and then he said, uh, he says, uh, I'm going to find the job that's right for you. He's like, I, you are right for this, for this position. I just need to find the right job for you. And uh, I thought, you know, that's just kind of his way of blowing smoke and, you know, whatever. Right, right. Telling you, thanks. And about, thanks. Yeah, right. 
about four months later, I get a phone call. He said, hey, found a job. Um, you're the perfect uh, match for this. Uh, come interview again. I interviewed and luckily it put me in the um, commercial uh, department of Fidelity National Title, all on sales. So my job was to work with investors, developers, lenders, uh, attorneys, um, yeah, you name it, um, to do commercial transactions throughout the country. And I had no knowledge of real estate. In fact, all my real estate knowledge was, you know, 07, 08, it was all real estate's fault, worst investment you can have, don't ever do it. Um, and and uh, I got into this thinking, I don't know how long or how well I'm going to do in a big city of Chicago. And uh, about two and a half years later, and about $1.65 billion worth of transactions later, wow. I was I was in love. Um, and my dad called me. And he said, Hey, I joined this like weird networking group. I'm interested to see if you want to follow with me. I'm in, it's in Chicago. So I went and um, uh, sort of drank the Kool-Aid, I guess. Yeah. I fell in love with it even, yeah, with it even further. And uh, we just went full steam ahead with it then. So it's all, it's all my wife's fault with that. So. so what was the group there that you went to in Illinois? What was going on? Like, what were they presenting? How long was it? Yep. Uh, fortune builders. So my oh, father okay. joined. Okay. Yep. So my dad joined fortune builders and he went to this thing and, and uh, he went to like that three day thing and asked me if I wanted to join. And, and then he joined and I joined uh, or he, he kind of added me along with him. Um, he did his own thing and, and was active and I did my own thing. Um, love the network. And, and I'm, I am very grateful. And I can, I can talk a little bit about the, the network side of things, uh, big picture later on, but um, it, it's definitely, it, it's definitely made us uh, made it, or put us where we're at right now for sure. So. Awesome. Yeah. So you drank the Kool-Aid, you went down, you had it on uh, yeah. and you got started. So you said you got started in flipping. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So a um, little bit of a backtrack. So I knew um, when I was at Fidelity, I had a mentor who I guess it was probably against company policy, what he said, but he brought me in and he said, hey, don't be complacent um, in this job. Um, I see bigger things for you. I don't want you to get caught up in this rat race. Um, he's like, explore, find yourself. You're going to make it. And I have all the confidence in the world. And I'd say probably about two months later, he passed away. He knew he was sick, didn't tell anybody. And it really hit me, uh, hit me quite hard. And so I decided to, before we got into investing, I decided I knew I wanted to get into it, but I wanted to learn all the aspects of real estate that I could. So I got into uh, a property management company, a brokerage company that did property management, project management and brokerage. Um, and I did business development for them. And then that was in Chicago. And then I moved home to Kalamazoo to Michigan. And I got back into title because I was going to get all these contacts and network again that I was, you know, created. Um, and I did title for for another year and a half until I decided it was it was time to go. And our main focus in the get go was was flipping. Um, and we did, uh, you know, large flips, though. We weren't talking, you know, small, like, you know, get in paint, throw a new carpet in there. We were in pop tops where we were taking 800 square foot houses and making them to, you know, 3000, 3200 square foot houses. Wow. Um, and doing 150, $200,000 rent plus renovations on it. So, Oh, that's awesome. I love it. So you definitely got the experience in the renovation side with that. Where, where was it in the timeline? I think you said it was two years ago that you switched into syndication. How did that switch happen? Yeah. So 2019, uh, was a rough year. Um, I had, uh, my wife and I had our second child. 
2018, December 31st, uh, our New Year's Eve, our tax break baby. And um, we That's got it. That's what I am on December 31st. So I'm the same Are thing. You? I get it all the time. <laughs> yeah, a tax break baby, man. I uh, We got into the hospital and she said, the, the nurse said, do you want like December 31st, January 1st? I'm like, today. Like today, today. yes. Now <laughs> get him out. <laughs> yeah, get him out. So um, we had him, my wife and I, uh, she resigned. She wanted to be home with our boys. I left my job. And so, you know, all things happen in threes. You know, we had our second baby. She resigned. I resigned. And we just, 2019 was a year of just kind of um, personal growth and trying to just kind of squeeze by with the business. But I wanted to be able to spend time with the family. And uh, at the end of the year, I went to a seminar with the idea. I just wanted to learn more about commercial real estate and not necessarily syndication, but just commercial real estate and, and uh, the advantages, the pros, the cons, how to, where to, the works. And to that point, I had raised probably close to about $3 million in all of our endeavors. And um, so I knew I could raise money, but I, that's that kind of what was, what was the motivator for me was, okay, if I'm going to syndicate, like I obviously need to be able to raise money and do it well. Um, so I want to learn about these, these processes. I want to learn about where and how. Went to the seminar with the idea that I was just going to kind of grow slowly. And I said I was going to buy eight properties. Um, after I left the seminar on the flight home from Vegas, I sat down and I, I kind of analyzed our deals that I currently had and then created new goals for 2020. And the idea was I was going to buy 50 and I was going to syndicate that kind of, a, you know, a big leap in my eyes. And to date, if I close everything that we have under contract, I will have close of about 320 units this year that we'll buy awesome. with the original goal of having, thank you, uh, original goal of having eight. Um, and so there was no looking back. Like I said in the beginning, like there's no turning back now. It is, it, I'm infatuated with it. It's brought us in front of some really cool people um, and given us some great opportunities and, and we're, we're, we're in love. So. So you went to the seminar and that's you went for commercial and that's where you kind of got syndication out of that. Is that where that happened? Exactly. Yep. So we went to the seminar um, and the, one of the presenters was talking about, you know, how you had to raise capital based on what pi- private income or uh, passive income you wanted personally. And so I kind of I, I kind of backed my way into the formula. I want to make X. Uh, I think I can pres- uh, I can provide these returns. I need to raise this amount of money. And uh, so I went back twenty, you know, that was December of 2019. I went back. I talked to my CPA. I talked to my attorney. Um, talked with some brokers I had, and I just put feelers out to find, you know, find deals and and uh, start the process. So let's talk about that first deal. So you decided what you wanted to do. How did that look? What market were you in? T- talk to us a little bit in detail about that one. Yeah. So we wanted to stay really, um, we wanted to stay semi-local. Um, I wanted to be able to to drive to it in, you know, three hours, three and a half hours. Um, we wanted it to be. Um, uh, you know, a strong cash flow deal with some value add. Um, we wanted, because I, I didn't know, I was, you know, I was naive to, to going in, but I thought, you know, I wanted to, to, to do, um, you know, I wanted to do two to $3 million transaction. And um, this broker uh, kind of got a hold of me and he said, hey, I've got this, this idea. I've got this property. It's sort of off market, but it's, it has some potential. Uh, the guys owned the properties. It's a, it was a portfolio of properties for um, almost 30 some years. And he's, he's just done. He's ready to sell. And so we were analyzing the deal. They were, um, they were asking 
$6.6 million. I analyzed the deal and I said, you know, I, I just, I need to buy it at, you know, I need to buy it at 2 million. And so I put in an offer at 2 million and uh, he came back and, and said, we'll do two and a half million. I came back, I said, we'll do 2.1 and uh, we settled on 2.2. And so we got the property originally listed at 2.6. We got it at 2.2 and uh, it was a wild, it was a wild ride. From that point, I, I essentially just trusted my team and my network as to the process. And, and then I just had to put the pedal to the metal and find my investors and um, market it correctly and, and do the, do all the right things. Um, we needed to raise around a million dollars and in and raising a million dollars to do so, um, we had a 70% loan to value um, with the bank at a uh, 25 year AM, five year balloon um, at a 3.85 interest. Not a bad rate on a commercial building and free first yeah. one. <laughs> yep. And, and um, it was, it was solid. I mean, we, we presented it. Um, we actually, uh, we kind of, we, we syndicate a little differently. So we actually syndicate equity as opposed to interest. So we don't have a preferred interest. We don't have a preferred return. Um, we actually keep them on for the eternity of the deal. So I actually, when I raise the capital, I raise the capital capital with like equity partners in the deal. They're going to continue to get cash flow for as long as I own the properties. And then they're also going to get profits on the back end of the sale. Um, so if I own that property for 25 years and after three years I refinance their initial capital out or two years I re refinance their capital out they're gonna get capital they're gonna get cash flow returns for another 20 23 years um does that that structure yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you I just don't want no, you to go fine. too far with it so yep. explain what you're doing so you're not doing a preferred return so you're just doing a straight split with them correct yeah exactly so we do a cash flow split um on that deal right there we did uh 70 of our cash flow goes to our investors okay so um you know after gross potential uh gross potential rents after expenses after our notes paid 70 percent of our income comes to the table and projection wise um projection wise that they were anticipating about a 10.4 percent return Okay. For and, like the cash on cash. So just assuming yep. their return on investment. Yep. Um, and year to date, uh, I'll have to look, I'll have to look back, but we're, we're plus 14, 14 and a half. Awesome, dude. I love, I love hearing that now. Yeah. I want to dissect this part a little bit because awesome. the numbers yep. can get a little bit dicey for people that don't understand as much like you and I sure. want people to understand. So First off, you're doing a split, you're leaving them in the deal indefinitely, which I think is the best way to raise capital because you refinance, give these people their capital back, keep them in an equity position. They can reinvest that capital with you in another deal. They'll be super happy. They're yep. investing in two places at once, three places at once. That's super powerful with the tax benefits. We know that. Sure. Um, real quick for the listeners that don't understand, a preferred return is basically, a, I don't want to say benchmark return, but it's not guaranteed, but the first portion of the return, so let's say it's a 7% preferred return, the investors get 7% return on the uh, cash flow that year. And then everything after that is split, let's say a 70-30, if that's how it is with the GPDLP. So TJ, tell me real quick, why no preferred return? How are you able to convince some investors no preferred return? Because we see preferred 7 8% pref on a lot of deals. Talk yeah. to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So... <laughs> That's what my attorney uh, kind of laughed at me about. He said, so you're doing no preferred return. You're doing lifetime equity. 
um, in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, good luck. Uh, not not going to happen. Not going to happen. Um, and he said, he said it kind of tongue in cheek. He, he believed that I could do it. He believed that it was possible. He just said, it, I think it's very unlikely that people are going to do that. And so when we, we, we presented it, we were, I, I truly believe in telling a story and telling our story. Um, and people, uh, people, I think, enjoy hearing um, how we got to where we're at, what we do, what, you know, who we are, where we're going. Um, and so I was really, I was really um, deliberate when I was talking to my investors. I said, listen, this is, this is our deal. Um, we are new to this. We are learning this process. However, you know, this bank has given us a fantastic rate. We have um, a strong backing with regards to you know, like our CMA. It was showing that our, our equity standpoint and our appraisal was, was on point. So our underwriting, um, our due diligence were matching up to what the market was saying. Um, we were beating some areas already with regards to uh, quotes from vendors. And we were showing them like, listen, we, you know, if you take a, if you take a chance with us and you ride with us, we're going to, we're going to take care of you long-term. Um, we're going to take care of you, this equity piece. We're not, you're not out of the deal. Once we give you your cash back, you're going to build with us. You're going to grow what we call, um, all my properties have uh, legacy involved. And so I call it, uh, my legacy properties. So it's, it's, you know, the city or the, 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 um, the apartment complex name legacy properties. And the idea for me is that I'm building a legacy for my two little boys. And I wanted to, to tell our story about where we are, who we are, what we're doing. Um, and that this is, this is possible. And then I also told him, I said, listen, over the six years that I've been in real estate, I've built up a massive network of brokers and attorneys and lenders and, and developers and all of these, these people that would take you guys years to build. And you invest with me, I'm an open book. And so you're going to see the transparency of the deal. You're going to get a, a Dropbox link of all the information as if you're the owner, you're going to see uh, contracts, you're going to see uh, rent rolls, leases, uh, amendments, anything that goes on um, to the property is yours. You're going to see that. I'm going to report quarterly. I'm going to uh, pay out quarterly. I'm going to do this the right way, but I don't think that I can do the preferred return right now or the, the preferred interest right now, just because I, I don't think that I, um, I'm big enough. I thought I was too ignorant or it was too ignorant or arrogant or, or naive of me to think that I can play like one of the big dogs. Um, and luckily, um, I've told this story multiple times, the pandemic hits, we needed to raise a million. I was, um, we are coming up to our end of our due diligence, our financial due diligence. Mm -hmm. And my attorney called me up. He said, how much do you have? And I said, 600 K. And he said, so you need $400,000. I said, yeah. And he's like, in 14 days, I was like, yep. And he's like, so we're going to call the deal. We're going to cancel it. Right. And I was like, no, he's like, you realize you're going to lose all your earnest money. You still have legal fees. You still have all these things. He's like, you're going to come out of pocket close to 50, $60,000. And I said, yeah, but I believe in this. And I believe that my investors um, uh, can help us through this. We're going to work through this. I'm going to make this happen. So 14 days from that point, from the end of the due diligence, we waived our financial contingency in doing so we asked for 15 extra days to close. Um, they gave us the 15 extra days. We actually increased our earnest money. Wow. Um, so I put more money into the pot and it gave me 30 days to raise $400,000. We closed on a Thursday. I wired the money over to the title company on a Tuesday. And on Tuesday, I was turning away people's money. We actually, when we closed, we actually had around close to about $400,000 extra of money that investors were coming to give to us. 
That's great. Um, and and a bunch of tears and a few drinks later, we realized like we did it. We realized that this was this was uh, this is something group of concept wise we've been working towards. And we also had four hundred thousand dollars of investor money to go elsewhere. And right. so um, I looked to find another deal and that's how it kind of continued to grow on. So awesome. I love that. I love that story. And that kind of answers why you can avoid the preferred return in that scenario. Yeah. Other deals moving forward, are you doing preferred returns? Are you avoiding them still? Or how, how are you structuring that? And then we'll jump back to this deal we were speaking of. Yeah. So um, so for the remainder of 2019 or 2020, sorry, um, we're kind of sticking with this equity, um, equity play um, and doing it the same old way. I'll probably do a few more in 20, uh, 2021. Um, the goal is, is kind of grown substantially from, from the last year. I'll probably do, I'll probably do two or three more like this. And then probably midway through 2021 is when we're going to start to kind of focus on that, um, you know, the fund side of it. And we're going to do it, you know, with the preferred interest, uh, the preferred return, um, and start to raise instead of money, every single deal, having to raise money, we're going to raise money for, um, for, fund you know, for multiple possible. Okay. Correct. Yes, sir. So a uh, number of investors you had on that deal, roughly how many was that? 19 investors raised a million dollars on my first deal of which 17 of them I've never met. Wow. That's awesome. And, um, and was a lot of that through fortune builders, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. So a lot of it was through fortune builders and, and let me say, sorry, never met being that I've never actually like sat down and shook their hand, shook their hand. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and, and there, but I've had a relationship with them for a couple of years We've been following each other, shooting emails back and forth, sharing information. I mean, we, you know, it's it's a it's a great network for that purpose. Um, and so, you know, I just I reached out to everybody. Um, and so, out of the 19, 17 of them I've never met. Um, out of those nineteen, uh, fourteen of those were from Fortune Builders. Awesome, that's great. And yeah. how many units was in this uh, com- uh, apartment complex? Forty-eight. Okay. Yep. And for fees, what are you charging for fees? Acquisition, disposition, refinance, asset management, all those fun ones. Yep. So I charge an acquisition fee up front. Um, I'm, do you want me to get into the, the, the specifics, the actual numbers? Oh, yeah. Whatever okay. the numbers are, if you're comfortable sharing that with us. Yeah, yeah. certainly. Certainly. So um, the acquisition fee on that deal alone, on the 2.2 million 48 unit, uh, the investors wrote me a check for $125,000. Okay. Um, that was my acquisition fee. Um, mind you, I actually fronted the earnest money and all that stuff. So, I mean, it was, it was gross, but net on that, I, I was about 70,000, um, is where I was at with that. Um, we charge a 2%, um, or a set, uh, set, um, uh, asset management fee or 2%, whichever is higher, um, okay. based on, based on our growth and our, in our, um, deliberate, uh, you know, uh, finalizing the deal, making sure that we were, we were actually, uh, doing as we say and getting it to the finish line. Um, we, we don't charge, um, we don't charge any other management costs, um, anything like that. We are kind of new to that idea of all of it. So we were kind of skin and bones and, um, we kind of, we kind of got lucky with all that. So. Okay. Awesome. And, what value add components did this deal have that you looked at and you said, okay, there's obviously room to add value to this project. There's room to grow. Where did you see that? Did you see in below market rents, just cosmetics? What were you seeing? A few things. So uh, below market rents for sure. 
um, when we did our analysis on that, we ran it through um, average rents over the course of the, the entire portfolio um, was about 150 to $165 per unit below market value. Now, mind you, this owner, the longest tenant that had been in this property was 24 years. Wow. He had never, and I mean, never received a price increase in 24 years. What was he paying like 400 a month or something? <laughs> exactly. Yep. He was paying 385 a month. Wow. And, and the top person in that building, because again, it was a portfolio. The top person in that building was paying 750 something, 755, 760. So How it was beds? Uh, two beds, two baths, um, about a thousand square feet per unit. Yeah. So pretty low. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was just, it was remarkable. I mean, we went through when we did our inspection, um, honestly, about 60% of the units were renovated, um, to what I would say is, is solid, um, market condition for, for that rent and for that area. Um, a few things that enticed us in the deal is as we got going, the owner, uh, told us like, listen, I have, I have a storage unit of all materials to renovate another uh, 20, 25% of the units that haven't been done. I just, I just, I'm waiting for them to, to move um, and have the opportunity to do so. So when we were buying that, that was all based into that 2.2 million. We were buying mm. the materials. We just had labor costs to do all of that. And, um, and the fact that it was, it was really well kept his cap expenditures. He, he, the, the roofs were, were taken care of. I mean, uh, he was meticulous with regards to the um, appliances and the, the 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 boilers and the hot water heaters and all of these things. Um, he was just he was a really good owner. He just didn't want to. Uh, he made friends with everyone, and he didn't want to. He didn't want to upset the app cart, you know. So um, right, right. he was having tenants that he felt like, hey, I'm making money. I'm fine. Um, I'm not going to raise rents. So interesting. Okay, so. On a deal like that, for example, or all of your deals when you're underwriting, when you're doing a deal analysis on something, what yep. are you looking for for the numbers? So like the big ones to me that I look at is, you know, what cap rate are you purchasing at versus what the market's at? What's the cash on cash return? How are you wrapping that in with an IRR? And then what's the final equity multiple? So like to me, when I look at a deal, those are the four I kind of look at that I try to balance them all out. What are some numbers you're looking for there? Or is it really just one of those numbers you focus on? Yeah. So, I mean, big one for us. Um, and as we're, uh, you know, it changes, uh, it changed from the, from the beginning. Right. But course, uh, the yeah. big one for us was, um, you know, market market stabilized market cap rate on the back end, Right. And so once we do our work, you know, we're looking at when we purchase it um, to what we know we can retrade it at um, is, is going to be indicative of the, the opportunity that we can create in that deal. Um, and so when we structure the deal, you know, we got our CMA and we, we talked to multiple brokers and got multiple um, evaluation on it all. We, we, were, we knew that we could retrade that property um, at, at about an eight cap. Um, and we, we acquired the property at a 10 and a half, almost 11 cap. Wow. And okay. so we knew that even with the value add and with, with the value add that was already done that we're not paying for essentially, because he's, he's already put that work in. Right. Um, we knew that we were, we were, um, uh, going to be able to, to, to do some good work. Um, and the bank agreed when they looked at it, they said, listen, we agree things in this area that are stabilized are, are retrading at a, at a, you know, um, seven, seven and a half at worst an eight, eight and a half. And so, you know, we feel like you can, you can really hammer that out. Um, 
we uh, internal, you know, uh, IRR, we're at about a 15, 16, um, you know, our, our, is that over uh, a five-year hold? Uh, yeah, over a five-year hold. Yep. Um, our ARR, our, you know, our average annual return, we're, we're at about a 17, 17, you know, 17, 18. Um, and, you know, one of our big things, obviously, and as we're doing the due diligence, we look at, you know, our, our, our uh, DCR, um, you know, our, our debt coverage ratio, um, and just to, to be able to, to prop, you know, make a strong case for getting financing, you know, we try to get that at about a, a 1.3, 1.35, 1 1.4, somewhere right around there. Okay. Um, and then, uh, you know, of course, expenses is, is the big thing for us. I mean, when we look at it, you know, we're looking at, um, I want my expenses to be somewhere around 45 to 50%, um, of, of that, that gross rent. Um, with that gross income. And we know that if we can get some of the, if we can hit those metrics, we know that we can perform. Um, and the other thing with that, and, and I don't think we got into it is as I, I raise these, I raise a significant amount of cash reserves with the deal too. So this first deal that we did, we actually put, um, we put a year and a half of mortgage payments in reserves with the bank Awesome that awesome. we raised. So the bank was very happy about that. Um, and I also, um, uh, you know, with those reserves, we, we are able to protect returns and cap expenditure costs and all of those that make, uh, make things, you know, solid for us. So makes the, makes the deal a little bit sweeter when the, when the bank is sitting there and the investors know that we have a, a decent size, you know, uh, amount sitting there to protect them and their, their investment. So, yeah, that's great. I mean, that's something you're right. We didn't even touch on is, you know, we're always looking at that cost reserves account. So something like when we're raising capital, whatever, amount we want to raise, you know, we're going to increase that to have that cost reserves account in the back. And like you said, lenders love to see that lenders are much more happy. They're kind of like, okay, we usually have to ask people to do this, but now they're right. kind of taking on their own assumption to do it. They're a little bit more at ease and maybe they'll give up on the rate, you know, half a point possibly because they're confident that if there is an issue, you've got a whole year and a half of uh, debt service sitting in an account with them. And you said you yep. hold it with the lender. Yeah. So we, um, we were not given a choice. <laughs> we okay. were told, you know, if you're going to do this, it is a requirement uh, as a new operator, as a new owner and manager, um, we're going to require it. And so uh, we put it in there. Our second deal with them, however, they said uh, your choice. And so okay. we actually kind of kept, kept money in house. Um, and we obviously have to open up, you know, open up account with them and, and everything runs through there, but uh, our reserve account can stay with us and, and go from there. Was that a local lender where the deal was? Yeah, exactly. So we, um, dude, we went to our initial deal. We went to, I think, seven or eight lenders wow. total. Um, just because, you know, a, a lot of these, we were in a, we weren't in a, like a, a primary or secondary market. We're in these tertiary markets that, you know, like uh, these large national lenders in the middle of a pandemic are not throwing money at a new time operator. Right. Right. And so I was, I was essentially pitching these presidents and boards of the bank to, to lend me money. I was going to them um, with our, our proposal, with our documents and saying, listen, this is where we're at. And a lot of these small lenders um, we found obviously are not familiar with syndication and they're certainly not familiar with syndicating equity. And right. so when we were going to them, they were looking at that as an extra loan, right? It was like, we we're taking a second position. And I was like, no, we, we don't owe them the money. Like that's not a, that's not a, a guarantee. Just, There's no, you know, a silent no promise. partner, basically. 
Right. As a, and, and that's how we had to kind of present it as saying like, listen, their money becomes our money in this deal. And collectively, this is what we're doing based on the, on the documents. And we had one lender that, uh, that looked at it and we got to the board approval and they weren't comfortable with syndication. And um, I had to drive three and a half, four hours to the bank the next day and pitch the board on and explain to the board the program. And after that, they, they actually rather enjoyed the deal and uh, they financed it's us. It's how powerful with, it was. Yeah. And, and what was, what was kind of unique to that is we actually, I was leaving, I was heading back home and uh, on the ride home, I got a call from the lender and he said, listen, out of the nine loans that I currently have going in the middle of this pandemic, uh, seven of them we've put on hold because we don't feel strong about them anymore. Wow. And he goes, and the other one, the guy is actually probably going to back out. So you're my only loan that I have existing right now that is going to go to close. And yeah. so we felt, you know, with all these, all these different metrics, um, and then with their sort of belief and, and, and motivation, we knew we had something that was special that we were going to be able to perform on and, and, and be proud of. So, yeah, I mean, that's great. Like something you just said there, like the local lenders, they're not very familiar with syndication and it's true. Like I have a, a, one local lender I do a lot of business with in my market with the small multifamilies. I refer them a lot of business, you know, commercial lending. And I try sure. to explain them this syndication thing and they're just like, you know, shrug the shoulders. I'm not sure, you know, we're not too familiar with that just because they're used to, you right. know, more traditional commercial lending, I guess mm -hmm. you'd say. So with that set on markets, what markets are you guys looking at? Are you guys kind of sticking closer to home? Like you were saying? Yeah, we've, we've built up some metrics that we feel confident with, you know, our, our uh, floor on different metrics. And with that, we felt confident that we could um, expand out. So primarily we we're looking Midwest. We were trying to stay, you know, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio ish area. Um, but we're now um, we're looking Tennessee, Florida, Texas, um, Kentucky, um, kind of looking all around New York. We looked at a, a couple of New York deals. Yep. I think I actually, I spoke to you about one of those. Um, yep. And with your knowledge, you actually kind of helped us uh, stay out of that deal. So that was yeah. kudos, <laughs> uh, kudos to you. So hey, I, um, I'd love to give you all the deals, but at the same time, I don't want to see you hurting. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and we appreciate that. And I, and, and we, um, that story for another time, we kind of, not only did we luck out, but we, uh, we double lucked out because the other part of the deal had its own PA to it with a lower cost value. Right. Um, right. and the sellers sold it to us still. So, awesome. um, so yeah, we're, we're looking all over, you know, we're not, um, you know, with the, with the pandemic, with not being able to travel as easily or as comfortably, right. Um, we're still trying to stay, you know, day drive, um, away. Um, I'll fly if, if need be, but, uh, if the Drake deals there, um, we're going to go take a peek at it. We're going to, you know, we're going to analyze deep. Um, I just brought on, or I'm bringing on my first, uh, employee who's going to simply be, uh, all in due diligence, um, analysis side of the business. He's going to be running, uh, due diligence and, uh, analysis on every single property, um, all day, every day. Wow. That's um, awesome. That's going to be a huge help to you guys. Yeah. So, I mean, my primary focus is going to be with the investors, right? Um, with the property managers that we have, our third-party managers that we have, because we do not self-manage these. Um, we bring in our third party. So I'm going to be working with, you know, a couple different heads as opposed to 300 some, you know, different tenants, right? Um, right. And then, you know, just being that, that point of contact. And I feel like my day-to-day -day is going to be more efficient. 
Um, I'm going to be able to focus on those things that I'm, I'm strong with. And then he's going to be able to take these numbers, um, analyze the deals, find new deals, build our network up on the back end with regards to brokers and lenders and opportunities. And, uh, and then he's going to kind of present those to me as he continues to find them. Um, and then when I'm presented deals, I'm just going to send them to him. He's going to do the data dump. He's going to get everything. He's going to run the due diligence. He's going to run every scenario from, you know, uh, our best loan to value analysis to, you know, market analysis and, and all the due diligence in between. So. Awesome. I love it. That's going to be a huge help to you guys. Huge. Uh, yeah. TJ, real quick, before we go into the next section of the show, was there anything sure. else you wanted to touch on anything that you really had in your mind that you wanted to talk about in this podcast? You think we covered a decent chunk? Yeah, I, I, I'm a firm believer of, um, of network, right? And I'm, I'm a firm believer in a team. Um, and, and I think it's, I think when people get going with real estate investing, I think they're thrown a lot of different, uh, they read a lot of books or listen to a lot of podcasts and they get all this information. And I think it's, it's difficult to comprehend and sort of um, uh, navigate their game plan. I don't think they know truly where they're going to head. So I think it's very important that when you get into real estate investing, you could, you can start at wholesaling and flipping and uh, you know, uh, passive income, small rentals, residential, single family, multifamily, there's, there's all these different avenues. Right. right. Um, and I think it's important to, to find what you want, uh, fall in love with what you want and then build your team and your network around that. Um, find a good attorney, find, uh, you know, find a good CPA. Cause that's, that's, uh, that's at the end of the day, it's your team. Take some, yeah, it's your team. Um, you know, build, uh, uh, you know, make sure your family and friends know what you do. Um, and I know that that sounds sort of weird, but like, you know, when we got talking with our friends and family more and more about what we do and what we're doing and trying to do, it opened up a ton of avenues. We got in, in touch with like, oh, I know this guy. I think he's in real estate. We got in touch with one of the top um, brokers in our area that I couldn't get a phone call with. I couldn't even get an email reply back with. Um, mm -hmm. And so just tell everyone what you're doing, build up your team, build up your network, be uh, you know deliberate with your conversations, um, and and I, I I I truly think find your why and find your story um, and create that story and, and and not a story that people that you think people want to hear. Tell them the story of you and the good, the bad, the ugly. I mean, I told my my investors um, everything from you know I had 152 people in my graduating class. I was 147. I just didn't apply myself. I didn't care enough. I told people like, I, I just, right, I right. just, you know, you know what it is. And, and it was the good, the bad, the ugly. And I, I think that raw transparency helps the investors really get a picture of who I am, who, you know, we are as a family, my wife, my kids and I, and where we're heading. Um, and if you, if you need help with that, I think there's some tools out there. Um, one that we use that has kind of changed our perspective on things. Um, and we use now still to this day um, to be able to create our, our daily, weekly, quarterly, monthly, um, yearly goals, and then our three, five, 10 year goals. And we're looking back on our, you know, our three, five, 10 year goals now, and we're, we have to change everything. So right. it's just That's a cool awesome. metric to look at. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fun to create. It's fun to see that, that, uh, that growth, the personal and business growth. Um, it's, it's just a, it's a fun little, fun little way to, 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 to analyze that. So. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. We're going to head over to the section of the show called the curious cues. I'm going to throw some questions at you <laughs> that we uh, give every guest and we'll get your answer on them. My man. Okay. Uh, first question is your favorite podcast you enjoy listening to. Um, <laughs> for uh, any of them. 
Any of them. It doesn't have to be I'm, real estate related. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan. Um, I listen to Joe yeah, Rogan literally all the time, <laughs> every every other day. Um, Bigger Pockets. Uh, you know, I listen listen to them uh, quite regularly. Um, some uh, some smaller like uh, real estate investing ones that uh, my friends have uh, that are just it's it's fun because you get a you get a unique perspective from you know a lot of different people. Um, and, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say that it's starting your, yours is starting to fall into my, my weekly, uh, my weekly plays. So awesome. I'm glad. Yeah. We, I, I like to do a variety of things. We got flippers, yep. we got wholesalers, we got burger people, we got syndication. It's just fun. I like doing it. Uh, yep. favorite book you find yourself uh, enjoying to read. I think many people tell this story, man. Uh, the little purple book, you know, rich dad, yeah. poor dad, it was a game right changer for me. There you go, man. Yep. Uh, rich dad, poor dad was a, was a game changer. Um, I am a, I'm a big fan of Elon, Elon Musk. And so, um, you know, reading about him, anything about him, I'm, I'm infatuated with. So, uh, you know, to, to get an idea of what a man like that does on the day to day and, and just perspective on life and, and his story is, is, is quite wild and, and inspiring. So it is biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome. And I feel like kind of what you said with the raising the capital, looking at for the extra 400 K, that'd be one of them. What else you have? Um, dropping my pride. Mm. Um, I was too, I was too prideful in the beginning. Um, afraid to ask for help. Um, it cost me a lot of money. <laughs> um, afraid to, afraid to swallow my pride and, and, and ask people for help and, and not pretend like I, I didn't need it or want it. Um, it made me a better investor. It made me a better man, a husband, a father, um, just being able to swallow that pride and say, like, listen, like I need to do what's best for this project. Um, and if I need to bring in extra help to do so, um, and, and the real estate, uh, the real estate investing game became a little easier when I realized that, you know, I didn't need to know everything, um, that there was, you know, uh, big opportunities if I opened the doors for people to, to come in and share their knowledge and their wealth, uh, um, with me. So. Wonderful. Favorite non-real estate related hobby. So what are you doing in your free time? Uh, it's nerdy, man, but I'm, a, I'm obsessed with, uh, with, uh, gaming. Um, I love, I love gaming. Um, and so I, uh, I, I, I probably play call of duty way too long. Um, right there, right there. Yep. Yeah, my man, my man. Look at you. I gotta grab your. I gotta grab your account. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I uh, I play Call of Duty way too much. Um, there's a there's a there's a song. Um, and I can't think of the song right now, but the the lyrics say like, uh, we play games a lot to avoid um the depression. Um, and it's not that bad, but it's it really truly is like a data dump for me. Like it's just mindless. That's what I say to my wife. She's like, "How do you yeah. do that?" I'm like. I come home, I'm doing work all day. I get to talk to my boys and I just get to shoot some people and not get in trouble. For it. <laughs> as terrible yeah, as that sounds, you know? No, it's, it's, it's dead on. And my wife, uh, my wife gives me crap about it all the time, but mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think that she, um, she uh, is starting to see that, you know, I'm, I'm though I, I spend time doing so it actually is benefiting me and my business. Cause I, I do. I, I just get to be like, I just let it, let it go, man. It's like, you know, 
it's like a little mini spa day every day. Like it just, it, I get out and just get to, to release. So it, it is, you know, I'm, I'm big into Halo. I'm big into Call of Duty, Rainbow Six Siege. What are you playing on? Uh, I'm on, I'm on PS4, soon to be oh. PS5. So I'm, uh, I'm obsessed though. Yeah. Call of Duty for sure. And, and, um, um, I used to play FIFA a lot. So a lot of, uh, soccer, yep. I mean, I grew up playing soccer. Um, I coach soccer. And, uh, so that's, uh, that was fun too. Cause you know, when we go on tournaments or I'm with my, you know, with the kids on, on tournaments, we, you know, I can connect with them and they're always gaming and, uh, you know, 11, 12, 13 year olds playing FIFA. It's fun to see, you know, a 34 year old oh, yeah. guy yeah, beating up on him and talking crap to him. So <laughs> I love it. Newbie advice. So what's some advice you give to someone that's looking to get started? Um, I, yeah, I think we hit on it a little bit earlier. Um, find your, find what you truly want to do and don't get so dead. Um, don't go, don't get so exhausted with all of the ideas and, and options that are out there. Um, you know, some people are, some people are just not meant to do the, like the, the cold calling and, and the wholesale side of things. Right. Yep. Um, yep. and a lot of people are taught, like, that's how you have to start. You have to get in the business that way and build it, this buyer's list and seller's list and, you know, and, and private money. And, and like, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, just find what you're passionate about, trying what you truly want to do with it. Is it long-term passive income? If so, you know, is it building, you know, slowly with a single family? Is it, is it syndication? Are you ready for that? Do you have a network that can help you, you know, help you grow that? Um, you know, do you want to flip? It's fun. It's sexy. You know, like I tell my wife all the time, like I'm, I think I'd be really good friends with, with Chip Gaines. And I know she <laughs> sure as hell pretends to be Joanna Gaines. Right. 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 Um, but you know, it's, it's not, it, it, it took away from my day to day to the point where I didn't get to see my kids as much as I, I wanted to. And that was what I, I was avoiding. I was trying to avoid. And so I knew that that wasn't the right path for me, big, you know, big picture long-term. So just find that, find that love, find that passion. Um, it can be daunting in the beginning. Um, it's not always as doom and gloom as it sounds. There is a lot of risk that is involved with it. And, and then you need to educate yourself. But just find what you, you love, find your passion in it. Um, and that might take a few, you know, a few mistakes to find. But when you do, like, go full steam ahead, um, jump in with both feet, um, and be deliberate with your time and your efforts. So, Awesome. I love it. TJ, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Where can people uh, chat with you, connect with you, or learn more about you? Yeah, man. Um, so I'm on, I'm on Facebook, um, at TJ Kermeens, uh, LinkedIn, TJ Kermeens. Uh, you can reach out to me. I might regret this, but, uh, my, my personal cell phone, you can, you can reach out for me for any advice, tips, um, help, whatever happens to be, um, at 269-377-6232. And my email is, uh, TJ at, uh, TKC homes, H O M E S L L C.com. And um, I, I welcome, you know, newbies to, to full on, you know, full on big time guys managing funds. I mean, everything in between is it's fun to listen to those stories, fun to see where I can fit in or help them one way or the other. Um, and if I can, I'd be I'd be happy to do so. Awesome. Well, again, TJ, thank you so much for coming on. and We'll be chatting with you soon. My man, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, dude. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.